With the overturning of Roe v. Wade, the American church, supporting organizations, and individuals are now blessed to be the arms and feet of Christ to a hurting world. Millions of children will now be born in the years to come whom otherwise may have been aborted. 22 states already have trigger laws in place that would immediately ban abortion following the overturning of Roe. These may seem like dark days, but today the light of hope is shining bright brightly through the darkness. Join us now as we unpack the legal, political, and cultural ramifications through the lens of Scripture in Roe v. Wade Overturned, God's Timing and Opportunities. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark Russick. You're watching and listening to The Russick Outlook. Thank you very much for joining. This is going to be a very special and timely presentation. I'm going to be drawing upon what came out of Washington, D.C. these past few days. Uh, as many, if not all of you know, uh, the, the case for Mississippi was heard concerning abortion, and uh, the result was the overturning of Roe v. Wade and turning the law back to the states, which is really what the Constitution has laid out. So I want to dig into that. And a lot of the reason that I want to is it, it is the Lord's timing. And I say that because nothing takes him by surprise. And I, I wanted to look at why now. And, and I don't know that we have the answers or all the answers. Maybe we you know can kind of get a little bit of a glimpse. But what I do really believe firmly is that the Lord is presenting incredible opportunities for us us being people who believe uh, in the sanctity of life and that it begins in the womb and that the church has an opportunity to engage people in conversation, to engage people in, um, in, in, in showing the love of Jesus, not only to them, the individuals, the mothers, the families, but of course, to these beautiful infants that have been in the womb. So I'm going to also kind of go down both paths because Obviously, if you live in America or if you're reading the news, and this is this has gone all all across the globe, this decision has had um, tremors. I'll I'll call it in in di- different governments in Europe, in Asia, uh, South America, Central America, North America, obviously. So I wanted to kind of break some of that down. We're going to talk a little bit about the political climate, um, and but also you know what are the social issues? What are the challenges? Up ahead, because I'm, I believe that there are cha- there are very very clear and present challenges and obstacles that that we'll look at, and but I really I really wanted to embark upon the opportunities that the Lord is presenting to people who who would affirm and not only you know if if you are a believer in Jesus or not, but that you understand that the baby's life is precious, that that heartbeat and that that movement that you see in the and the kicking of the baby in, in the mother's womb and and, and the miracle of uh, the absolute incredible miracle behind the biology of birth is, is just something to be celebrated so I'm here to celebrate it I'm here to kind of unpack it a little bit I'm going to uh, dig a little bit into some of the legal ramifications what some of the people are saying what the culture uh, is presenting so uh, I, I hope you'll enjoy it. I believe it's timely. I, I, I believe firmly uh, that, that this message should go out right now 
you know, as we're just, I think this is just four or five days after the verdict had come down. So uh, let me do this. Let me cut to our title here, which is Roe v. Wade Overturned. I'm titling this God's Timing and Opportunities. So I wanted to go right back, right into, excuse me, um, Judge Alito, who gave this closing argument and, and his closing opinion, and I felt that it was very timely to understand where we're at today. So um, if you're following me on video, I, I show it to you here for my podcast listeners. It said, he said this, we end this opinion where we began. This is his closing argument. Abortion pre presents a profound moral question. The Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and Casey arrogated that authority. We now overrule those decisions and return that authority to the people and their elected representatives. Justice Samuel Alito in the court's opinion. And I, I, I had to stop at the word arrogate uh, because honestly, I didn't know what it meant. And so I looked it up and I think it's very appropriate and I'll, and I'll get into why. So the definition for arrogate is to assume or claim as one's own, unduly, proudly, or presumptuously, to make undue claims to from vanity or baseless pre uh, pretensions to right or merit. So now if I look back at that, it says the Constitution does not prohibit uh, uh, the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and Casey arrogated that authority. In other words, they assumed or claimed that one's own. And the reason I wanted to stop here and pause because I think this is a central point to what we're going on, going on with the arguments around the country, not only, you know, where it concerns Roe v. Wade, but many, many arguments where I personally believe that it's a form of cultural Marxism. And what I mean by that is the, the left or people behind a lot of these wokeisms, if you will, believe that they are morally superior, that their judgment is correct, and that if you don't fall in line with the, what they say or believe or state, then you are considered uh, less than or not equal to, um, that your opinion is not valid. So you, you've squelched the argument uh, or the, the dissertation of free speech and the engagement of ideas and principles and thoughts and it's, it's really happened very quickly in this nation. And I would say, particularly over the, you know, the turn of the century, but even the last five to 10 years, man, it's, it's just gone like a whirlwind. And, and I believe that this is, you know, what, what he, when he used the word arrogate, in this case, that that is what Roe uh, had presumed. I, I would go on to say that that is the case for many things. And I'm going to show you a few because it, it sways a little bit into um, Chief Justice Thomas and what he wrote. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to cover that. But I wanted to state that up front because you are hearing this from the politicians and a lot of Hollywood and, and people who, you know, they, 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 they think that their opinion is the means all and the end all. And ironically, you know, I heard something half chuckle. I'm sure many of you have heard it by now. 
well, finally, the, the Democrats have, have learned what a woman is. Um, and, and my argument is never against Democrat or Republican. Uh, I, I'm looking for people who are statesmen, who will stand on principle and, and stand for, for the correct uh, ideology or, or interpretation. So the, 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 judge, the role of the justices in the Supreme Court is to interpret law. It is not to create law or to make law, and that is the the role of, of the Congress, of the uh, of the House of Representatives and the Senate. And what I found incredibly alarming is some of the quotes that are coming out from some of, and unfortunately, many of the women in Congress. Um, Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters. Maxine Waters said, uh, quote, unquote, to hell with the law, just we're going to just disavow whatever they say. The same things pretty much came out from Kamala Harris. Elizabeth Warren wants to um, uh, flood the bench with more justices, uh, AOC. Uh, and, and so rather than accept the, the judgment, and you may not agree with the court's ruling, but, that doesn't, but that's, that's what the staple of this country is. That's what the foundation is. So because they don't agree with it, they want to change the law to make it so that what they want, they can get in. So there is no law then. It's lawlessness. And the reason I bring this up, obviously, for those who, who don't know, we see lawlessness being perpetrated and, and fostered throughout this country, particularly over these last few years. And, and there's just this complete disregard and abandonment, not only for life in the womb, but for life in the streets. How many kids are being uh, killed in riots in the streets? I just, you know, learned of a, a of a, um, a van full of um, immigrants coming up across the southern border in Mexico this morning. I believe it was 51 of them dead from asphyxiation from the heat. There was no air conditioning in the truck. Um, and, and really, these things could be stopped like that, but the government chooses not to. They've, they've decided that their policy will be in open borders. And so these are the things, and you know, I would go on to say that they've cho chosen the, what laws they want to uphold. For instance, we know that Justice Kavanaugh's life was, was threatened, and the riots and the, and the marches and the protests in front of the streets, the media released addresses of the Supreme Court justices. That is a violation of federal law. You cannot intimidate a justice or a, a judge, a member of the court. It could be a, a member of the jury. You cannot. It's against the law. But in this country, um, our attorney general is, is not uh, selecting that. Or he's not selecting to enforce those laws. He's letting that happen. So, you know, my point here is you've got a lot of uh, people running amok, running wild, and the biggest thing, or the biggest lie, I would say, is they're saying that women's health care has been taken away. Nothing could be further from the truth. No women lost their health care. Um, I would like to see abortion go away, um, but it's not. It's back to the states. It's back to the people to decide whether they want this law or not. And in, I would say, virtually close to half the states, you will get it. Uh, you will. And I happen to live in, in, in the Northeast in New York, and and you know this is predominantly a Democratic-run area: New Jersey, Connecticut, um, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Vermont. 
uh, you know, all of these places will more than likely uphold abortion. And, and so if you want abortion, you can get it. Um, and there are many states that, that you know, um, ha- have decided whether it's less than 12 weeks or six weeks. And some, you know, if you have a heartbeat, it's called the heartbeat law. But my point is the information that's going out across the airwaves is, is from, from a lot of people, is very irresponsible. So, you know, I wanted to get that out, and, and, and I'm sure many of you know that, you understand that anyway. Um, so let me continue on what I believe are some obstacles that we're going to face, we being people who believe in life, in the days ahead. And I'm going to show you also, I'm going to get into exactly what Scripture has in line with this and the opportunities I believe that God's given us. This is a time to to celebrate life, but it's also a reality check. This is not going to be easy. Um, so let, let, let me do this. Let me cut to this one slide here. Um, many Americans will be angry. According to a poll in May, after the earlier leak of the Supreme Court draft, only 17% of Americans said they would be happy to see Roe v. Wade overturned. Two-thirds of Americans did not want the Supreme Court to completely overturn the law. Nearly 50% of adults younger than 35 said, they may be, uh, said they'd be angry with that decision. A majority of women, 54%, said they expected life to be worse for American women if Roe was overturned. So those are some very significant numbers. Some states will immediately ban abortion in the wake of this decision. I, I, I've, I know South Dakota was, was one of them. I heard that today. Others are prepared to ban abortion after six weeks, which is earlier than most women even know that they are pregnant. Effectively, abortions will end in those states as well. Many Americans living in those states don't know that this is the case. In one poll, 45% realized they lived in a state that would ban abortion statewide if Roe was overturned. A lot of people in these states are going to be surprised in the coming weeks. How will they react? It's going to be interesting. The divide between red and blue states in America is already stark. No, no revelation there. But it is going to get worse. People will begin traveling to certain abortion-friendly states so they can terminate a pregnancy. Companies will start departing pro-life states, putting pressure on pro-business politicians who welcome the economic boost that these companies provide. All of these realities will lead to uncertainty and chaos in the future. So we're seeing that immediately. Uh, Many of your Fortune 100 companies have already come out over the last couple of days saying that they will provide for their employees if uh, they will provide, meaning they will cover their expenses if they need to go to states that allow abortions if they live in states that, that do not. So, you know, you're seeing everything starting to come together uh, in terms of, of where people will lie. I wanted to look at Romans. I wanted to look at Romans 1, and I'm, I'm going to, where am I going to start? At Romans 16, and I'm going to go to the end of the chapter at verse 32. So, you know, if you don't mind, I'm going to, well, I'll show you this on video and I'll read this as well. So, because I believe, and and let me just say it this way, I believe a line is being drawn in the sand that, you know, you're going to have to decide one way or another, not only in the case for abortion, but for other things. And I believe you'll, when I read this scripture, 
You'll, you can look around the world today, no matter where what you believe. If you're a believer in Jesus, you could recognize it. If you're not a believer in Jesus, this, this scripture is true. And if you're honest, you'll, you'll concede that it's true. So it says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Uh, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in this righteousness of God, God is revealed from faith to faith, as is written, the just shall live by faith. This is the Apostle Paul. God's wrath on unrighteousness. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they know God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. I'm going to come back. There's more to this. I just wanted to pause for a second. And people, you know, whether you're a believer in Jesus or not, and most people believe in God, they see the reality of what's around them, that all of the miraculous provisions in life uh, has been orchestrated by um, what I would say, you know, what I believe and know is Jesus but some people do not feel comfortable knowing who that God is, or but that they recognize that there is a supernatural force at work. Some people will say a higher power. Other people would say Allah, uh, Hindu, Buddha, you know, whatever, whatever it is. But my point here is that people recognize this. They see what is what is what God has laid out for them, and they've made an intentional decision to cast Him aside. So let me go on here. For this reason, God gave them up to their vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And I'm going to bring this into law in a second. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to, debate, to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murders, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, 
unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also of those who practice them. So, you know, my point here is that God has, I believe, has gone to a point in this world where he's given you over to a reprobate mind. If that's what you want to believe, if that's what you have chosen to do, which is to cast the Lord aside and put your own laws into effect, that is absolutely your decision, man's decision. They have that capability. Uh, but I, I would say that's where the line is being drawn in the sand. And I see that happening in the courts, not only in the United States. This is not anything new. This is happening in many countries around the world, particularly where you have Christian leaders. I know this is happening in Brazil. Uh, but where you know wherever there is Christian leadership, there's going to be challenges and there's going to be um, there's going to be division I'll put it that way so with that in mind I wanted to read something from Justice Clarence Thomas in regard to this case um, because I think it's falling in line with because he's alluding to the fact that other cases will be potentially could be heard again so I wanted to bring that up and I also wanted to pause for a second this is my own personal opinion. I think so highly of this man. I, I am hurt in my heart at the criticism that he's taken, particularly amongst many black celebrities coming out, calling him an Uncle Tom and every vile name that you can think of. As though, again, if whatever you believe or Hollywood ascribes to and, and others and if you don't fall in line, then you're an Uncle Tom, or you're this, or you're that. You're less than them. They have perched themselves up higher with some type of uh, morally superior value or, or opinion. And this man has gracefully gone on, stood the course. I do not know him, and I don't know if he is a, a disciple or a believer in Jesus. I, I tend to think that he is, you know, watching his character. Um, but I've never heard him. I'm not familiar with whether you know he's made anything public. But when I listen and I watch his decisions and his incredible mind at work and the way he articulates things, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a fan. And I am genuinely hurt at the attacks that have gone on um, throughout many people. And over the years, this isn't just because of what happened with Roe v. Wade. This started you know, way back in the very beginning when, when he was first nominated in the early 90s. The way they treated this man, his wife, his family is despicable. And, and, and I just celebrate this man. I pray for this man. I would encourage you to pray for him. Um, so I wanted to think about Romans 1, and I wanted to point out something that he wrote in regard to this. In concurring opinion that accompanied the Supreme Court decision, Justice Clarence Thomas said other rights beyond abortion may be on the docket and had the potential of being knocked down based on this precedent. In future cases, we should, we should reconsider all of this court's substantive due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence, and Oberfell. These are, all, these are also major cases. So I wanted to just bring you up to speed to what these are. 
um, because many people don't know. If you say Griswold or Lawrence or Oberfeld, they don't know. So Griswold versus Connecticut established that married couples could buy and use contraceptive without government restriction. In their dissent, Justices Kagan, Breyer, and Sotomayor wrote that the right to terminate a pregnancy arose straight out of the right to purchase and use contraception, warning that this federal right may soon be in question. Before I go on, I just wanted to pause for a second and point out Justice Sotomayor, who I disagree with uh, on many, if not all, of her opinions, and I'm not fluent in the courts by any means. I'm not an expert and don't pretend to be. Um, but I am a little bit of a, 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 I'm a little bit of a political junkie as, as well as being a, an absolute passionate disciple of Jesus. Um, but what she, she kind of stuck up for him amongst some of the criticism and pointed out what a wonderful man he was or is and how well-liked and how, how well um, appreciated he is around the Supreme Court. And she also went out to say he knows every name of every person in every department of all the different uh, clerks and whatnot and the administrators. He knows them all and makes a point to get to know them. And I, I just, my hat's off to Justice Sotomayor. Um, and it reminded me of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Justice Alito. Again, two titans of, of the court who could not be more juxtaposed in, in their presentations, in their opinions, but who, uh, by all accounts, were the best of friends. So, you know, they, they learned to agree to disagree. And, and I would say one other thing just popped up in my mind as I'm thinking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She pointed out back in the early 90s that this case, Roe v. Wade, was very, very on weak legal status, weak legal legs. And she was trying to warn the left because she was a proponent of abortion. But she's saying from a, a legal standpoint and the structure of, of the opinions that were written was not in good standing. And nobody, you know, they don't want to mention that because she's such a hero to them. But she had the good common sense and honesty to concede what was there, what was written. And and I really wish, well, it's not going to happen. I mean, politicians are just, you know, they won't bring these things up. They, they, they'll only select quotes or edit things together to make their point. And there's, and that's where I say there's this loss of, of free speech and and honesty and, 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 you know, a rigorous back and forth. So let me just close with, well, let me do this. Lawrence versus Texas was said that criminal punishment for sodomy are unconstitutional, which meant it was no longer illegal to be gay. Oberfell versus Hodges, of course, ruled that same-sex couples had the right to marry. So this just came into law, I think, five or six years ago. If the court reconsiders these issues next, our nation will face even more chaos. Imagine the riots and violence if contraception is outlawed or if LGBTQ rights are overturned. This will lead to further division until Jesus returns. And it, it will. Uh, you know, there's, there's no question about it. You saw a lot of the things that are happening in the streets today. And it could get worse. But I, I wanted to point out a scripture that Jesus said. Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And I say that because we see this around the world today. We see it in society today. And this whole, what I, again, what I'm calling cultural Marxism, where I'm right and you're wrong and I'm morally superior and what I say is, is it and, and what I'm doing is in love. You know, it's, it's one of those. So remember that there's that line drawn in the sand and, and it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know, Jesus talks about, you know, uh, uh, the judgment of separating the sheep and the goats. It's going to happen. There's going, there is a line that is drawn in the sand and if you're listening to me and you think that you can just run amok, and, and, and I know this, a lot of people who claim to believe in Jesus and, you know, they will say that the Old Testament is, is an antiquated book and the writers are antiquated and it's not pertinent anymore, it's not relevant anymore, or the Bible isn't relevant. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Word of God is synonymous with who Jesus is and we have, I have on, on many, many episodes, if you want to be honest and if you do not know the Lord Jesus and you want to investigate the reality and the validity of truth in Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, it is there in abundance. From historical records to eyewitness testimonies to archaeological evidence to uh, uh, um, testimonies of the supernatural, of healings, of miracles, of, of people who have been engaged in the supernatural. Um I could go on and on. I, I, and people like to say, well, it's not really scientific. And, and, you know, side note, it's amazing how scientific, you know, medical science has validated that the baby is alive in the womb. But, you know, now all of a sudden you don't want to believe in science. It's, it's just, sorry, I don't want to get off on, on the wrong tangent. But that you're going to have to be accountable for yourself one day. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, Jesus said, I am the truth, I am the way, I am the life. And it also says in Scripture that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. He is. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm saying this if you're, not, if you're a skeptic, if you're not a believer, or if you're a supporter of certain things, or if you claim to be a supporter of Jesus and you want to wink at evil and, and, and just think that, you know, that's okay, it's not okay. It's not okay. And, and, you know, all have sinned, all fall short of the glory. And let me just say one other thing, because this just popped into my head as well. If you're a woman and if you've had an abortion and you've accepted Jesus, Jesus will forgive you. And I believe firmly that you will be reunited with that baby in heaven uh, and with that child. And there's many scriptures and many things to back that up and many testimonies to back that up. Um, Jesus loves you no matter what. And, and, you know, no matter where you are at, no matter what sins you've committed, we're, we've all been there. All fall short, everyone, every man and every woman. So um, I'll... I'll I have a lot of thoughts there, but I'll, I'll, I'll let it go. So let me cut to this. Opportunities. Well, Got to get the cut. Um, 20, actually, this says 22 states. Somebody told me, yeah, 22 states have trigger laws in place that would allow the immediate ban, uh, uh, banning of abortion following the overturning of Roe v. Wade. According to estimates, there could be this year 12 to 15% reduction in abortions. Wow, uh, that's, that's uh, unbelievable. 
Uh, millions more children will be born who would otherwise have been aborted. They will be born to parents who are in poverty or who are struggling. These parents will need help. They will be paying attention. Your unchurched or your secular friends will be paying attention. Your pro-choice colleagues will. Are you ready to stand in the gap for women in poverty who face unplanned pregnancies? Are you open to adopting or fostering children? Are you prepared to volunteer at your community crisis pregnancy centers? Because we, as the American church, now have an incredible opportunity to be the hands and feet of Christ for a hurting world. This is our moment. The world will be watching. And this is why I say I believe this is the Lord's timing. The Lord is allowing the church and people to be relevant in this time and this hour. We've prayed for this moment. We've fought for this moment. Many have given contributions to this moment. I personally, I've supported ministries who help young girls have these children or help young girls off of the streets, you know, with, with different afflictions. Um, and to see people's lives turned around is, is one of the greatest feelings in the world. I wanted to present this scripture, Proverbs 31, 8 through 9. Open your mouth for the speechless. In the case of all who are appointed to die, open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. This is Proverbs 31, 8 through 9. I just want to read this again. Think of abortion. Open your mouth for the speechless. In the case of all who are appointed to die, open your mouth, judge righteously, plead the cause of the poor and needy. So pretty powerful. I think scripture is very, very clear. I don't believe it's only talking about abortion in that case, that there's many other different situations you can kind of fill in the blanks. But I believe that falls right in line with abortion. So uh, continuing on opportunities, my thing is have a conversation. So I'm going to show you just a little thing where I say have the conversation, become educated. We know so much more about the life in the womb, about the child in the womb than we did 20 or 30 years or 40 years ago or 50 years ago when this was first uh, uh, put into law where they were claiming that it was just some blob. And we know, um, you know, through ultrasounds and whatnot, that that's the furthest thing from the case. So I I encourage you and I encourage myself as, as I say this, be prepared to have conversations to people who may or may not, you know, they may not believe. They may be um, uh, supportive, supporters of abortion um, and be willing to engage in conversation respectfully and politely, but know, know the information, know your facts. For instance, I just learned this the other day, and I was, I was kind of flawed. Uh, not flawed, floored. <laughs> I'll get it right. Um, did you know that when they operate on a baby in the womb, they have to give the baby anesthesia? Why? Because they know that the baby feels pain. So medical science has gone so far and taken such great care that in these emergency situations where they'll see the, the child's in some type of dire straits that needs the immediate attention, they literally go in and they operate on the baby while the baby's still in the womb 
and they give the baby anesthesia so that they don't feel and are relegated to the pain from the needles and the and the different medical instruments that they might be using. Um, I would also suggest listen to some doctors who have performed abortions, who have learned the error of their ways. Some of these things, some of these testimonies, you can go on YouTube and some uh, other platforms. Listen to some of them because they'll educate you on exactly what they were doing, why they were doing it, and um, and why they've chosen not to, why they've chosen to walk away from it. Many uh, people who used to be uh, employees of Planned Parenthood are now supporting um, life centers and pregnancy centers. So they, they've kind of flipped the script after being involved in it and seeing some of these things. Some people talk about, you know, how babies are tailored for abortion for certain body parts, that there's the black market. And, you know, that that's kind of the point that they've gotten to. But there are doctors and medical practitioners and nurses who are involved in these abortions who have now, you know, they, they've come out and they've, they're trying to educate you. So here's my point to you. Listen to them. Learn about this. Learn about medicine. Because, yes, we want to share the gospel, but you also want to be able to share, you know, the 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 finer points of what is relevant in terms of meeting that person, whoever you're engaging in conversation with, on, on their level. And maybe, they, you know, they didn't know some of these things. And I promise you there's many uh, things that they didn't know. So, uh, you know, my point here is learn, learn about these things. Learn about medicine. Learn about the child. And, and I just wanted to put this out. You know, I, I have a whole montage of people of different backgrounds and cultures sitting around the kitchen table breaking bread because that's often uh, the, the, the best place to have these conversations. And I thought about, you know, in this country alone, we have close to, I think the estimates are 63 to 70 million, so it's a minimum of 63 million uh, abortions so far since this law went into effect. And if you're following me on video, I show you just some different, I'm, I'm going to point out some different um, positions, some of the babies that we lost. That could have been a minister. It could have been an engineer. It could have been a mother, uh, a doctor, a, a sibling, a policeman, a musician, a poet, uh, a business person, um, a plumber, a, a custodian, teachers. All of these people that we lost, 63 million. Ooh, that's in this country, never mind the other countries. So they're important. You know, those people are important. And, and we and this I believe personally that we lost a lot. This country lost because of, of, of not only the sins uh, uh, of what this terrible, terrible atrocity is, but we lost these precious children. And, and I believe that we will see them in heaven one day. Um, and, I, and I have my reasons for that. I won't go into it all now. I've, I've covered some of this before in the past. But again, opportunities, have the conversation, um, it, you know, engage with your neighbor and be respectful and and you know always know that especially if you do this that go in prayerfully beforehand and if you're a believer in Jesus know the Holy Spirit is with you he'll give you words to say and don't be discouraged if if that person turns away from you or doesn't agree with you you're planting seeds sometimes you know you don't always see the seed grow you know what it turns into um but be confident in the Holy Spirit in you. So, you know, that's, I, I guess I'm kind of being a little bit of an exhorter and encourager, 
but I do. I see this as opportunities. I also wanted to point out something, and I, I highlighted this in uh, the, the news presentation that I do each month where I was talking, I always do this, modern headlines meets Bible prophecy. But I wanted to bring this, show this again. We are not alone. And, and I wanted to point out the women's groups in the United States who have been fighting for this day and, and applaud them and thank them. Um, Concerned Women for America, National Right to Life, Feminists for Life, March for Life, Students for Life, Americans United for Life, The Heartbeat Bills, Live Action, Last Days Ministry, Susan B. Anthony List, Save the Storks, New Wave Feminist, Southern Baptist Pro-Life Ministries, Catholic Charities U.S., and then there were none. So, and I, I'm sure that there was a slew of them that I, I, that I missed, but my point is, here are these wonderful women fighting for these babies. They're fighting for the girls in the womb. They're fighting for the boys as well. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I'm so encouraged by these women across this country, these brave, you know, strong women who, if you listen to, you know, a major portion of the news media, you know, they don't, they don't talk about them. They don't talk about their opinions. They don't talk about... Um, what they bring to the table and why their opinion matters. So with all the things that I said, I really wanted to focus on, on in closing as I draw this to a close. I guess, you know, this has really been a little bit of an education maybe, but more of an encourage you to engage people, to learn, to share the gospel, to share the truth, the sanctity of life, the preciousness of life. I wanted to bring out the, the gifts of, uh, or the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So if you have Holy Spirit in you, this is just a reminder that I wanted to show you, and I thought the picture was perfect, where it's a heartbeat that leads to the cross. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, and all of this that I'm talking about is centered on love, that God is love, Jesus is love. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I went to the Passion Translation to break down what this is, because you can kind of go through this and go, oh yeah, I got joy, I, I have peace, I have forbearance. And so it's joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, strength of spirit. So these are all the expressions, these are all the tools that I believe is inside of you, and I would encourage you to use the fruit of the Spirit, embrace Holy Spirit in you, embrace those different gifts and attributes, and come alongside some of these women, come alongside some of these people, do it in love, do it in kindness, do it with intelligence, do it with education, and, and, um, and do it prayerfully. And, and, and I believe these are the opportunities that the Lord is offering the church today. I, I hope more churches start to talk about it. I was a little disappointed that there were more churches uh, kind of waving the flag, if you will, and, and celebrating life because I, I, I really think it was, and it is, and, and, and it was only Friday and people had their messages prepared for Sunday, I'm sure. So, but we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. But, you know, that, that, that's my thing. Um, I'm going to leave you with this. Um, this all happened in a moment's time. History was made on Friday, June 24th. And in a moment's time, 
potentially millions of lives have been saved in, a, in that quick of a moment, these precious, precious children, boys and girls. So this, I say, is a day to celebrate life and to praise Jesus. This is a day of gratitude for his answer to a half a century of prayers on behalf of the unborn. These may seem like dark days, but today the light of hope has broken through the darkness. I'd like to read for you Psalm 28, 6 through 7. Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song, I will praise him. So, I, I think that says it all. I don't need to add to what the Lord does or has given us in scriptures. I, I hope that this has been somewhat of an encouragement for you. I hope that you join me in celebrating. If you have questions or comments, suggestions, I'm always all ears. Um, engage with me, and I, I, I didn't mention this in the beginning, but engage with me, if you would, um, by, by uh, joining our email list, going to the Russick Outlook, and uh, ask us questions. Shoot me a question, russickoutlook at gmail.com. And I did forget to mention this, and so I'll just very quickly, if, if you appreciate presentations like this, topics like this, I, my, heart is to get, my heart is to get to the heart of truth. Uh, I, I, that's, a, that's a double whammy there. Um, so, you know, if, whatever the platform on, if you're on YouTube and some of the podcast platforms, please hit the bell, ring the bell, hit the subscribe button, subscribe to the channel. Um, and, and again, this helps us move up the charts uh, in, in the online uh, flow of the algorithms and, and helps us get information out there to celebrate the, the, the life, the preciousness of life, but also the precious truth of Jesus and his word. Uh, so I'd just like to close if, if in this by saying thank you for your time. Um, I, I am very, very grateful. I'm, I'm super, super jacked for what happened over these past couple of days. Uh, I ask you to continue to pray, pray for the justices, pray for the families, pray for the nation. We need it. This is a, this is a, a point that's being drawn in the sand. So my name is Mark Russick. Thank you. And remember, as always, just my opinion.